0: Good morning. I've got a warning hanging over me today that if I go beyond 20 minutes, Phil's going to turn me off. (laughs) But don't worry, I can speak louder than the PA system, so I don't even need the PA system. No, we'll do 20 minutes. (laughs) If you are a very young child here today and you want to do some colouring, we've prepared some colouring over in My right there, up against the wall there. It's a banner that sums up the theme of this morning's preach, and uh, that's going to be the actual, you know, the best bit of the whole preach. When they come and show you their banner, you're going to get the point of what we're talking about today. I'd like to pray for us, and uh, I'd like us to stand. I know some of you, not quite so easy to stand, but those that can stand, let's stand together, and I just want to pray for us. Father God, I pray this morning that you'd send your Holy Spirit and that your Holy Spirit would help us to get a hold of your word, that your word wouldn't just feed our minds, but it would change our hearts, and that today, maybe for the first time, would come to really know you, Jesus, better than ever before, so that we enter 2023 in a wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ. I ask it in your name. Amen. 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 Uh, Please take your seat. Um, I I have a a son who, I've got five children, but I've got a son. I've asked his permission about this. He's got an eye problem. It's called keratoconus. We discovered it in his teenage years. And this problem is that there's weak areas in the front of his eye that means that cones of Tissue grow out, the eye becomes misshapen, and it means that he sees things in a distorted way. He's great to play tennis with. He doesn't see the ball until it hits him in the face, because he can't judge the distances. And he's great to play cricket with, because you can hit him with the cricket ball, and soon he retires and gives up. Because actually he just can't, he's ready with the bat, but the bat it's already hit him. He just can't judge the distances and where it's coming from and how quickly it's moving. It's quite a, it's quite a disruptive thing. And, and what worries me um, is that we as Christians and we as the church, we get a spiritual keratoconus. Uh, that, um, that actually we're, we're on this earth, we're, we're living on this earth, sometimes we have good Uh, periods of our lives. Sometimes we have terrible periods in our life. Take uh, Ukraine in this last year. Things can go horribly wrong, but we lose sight of what it's all about. And this morning, um, I was, you really saved this morning from a message, because I was going to bring a message this morning about the call to Ezekiel, that he was to go and tell people um, about their sin, and, and that if he didn't do it, and, and, and they failed, that he would be responsible. I was going to bring that message. You know, you'd all go home sort of like this. Oh, I must evangelize. I must evangelize. Oh, Ken's really beating us over the head this morning. And, and you'd have felt that. But God really challenged me about it and said, it's all about worship. It's all about Jesus Christ. And the more we worship Jesus, the more evangelistic we become naturally. Because we're taken up with Jesus, we want other people to be taken up with Jesus. That's what motivates us, our worship, our praise, our love, our relationship with Jesus Christ. A very significant thing happened this year, as you know, quite a few things for us as a family. We moved here. And one of the things I noticed that one of our sons who moved to uh, Tinker's Hatch He doesn't respond to ought tos. He doesn't respond to pressure to do things like evangelism, for example. He doesn't respond to that. He he actually digs his heels in, becomes quite stubborn, and he's not going to do it. But I discovered he's a worshiper. He can't, you've seen him. He can't stop worshipping Jesus. So he was asking me, who's on this morning? Who's on? Who's leading the worship? Rob, you were mentioned. He, who's on in the worship this morning? Because he wants to worship Jesus. That's his passion of his heart. This is his fundamental core of his being. And because of that fundamental core of his being, he brings along, like on the carol service, 11 of his friends to the carol service. He's bringing six every two weeks to come here and worship Jesus. He's just doing it, because it's a rising out of the worship in his heart. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So it's after the birth, you see that? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, they knew, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it's written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you've found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. And listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Notice it says child, not baby. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, not the manger, going into the house, They saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Who were they? Well, they were the first Gentiles to come and worship Jesus they're a model for us. Well, they're not a model in every sense. They were magicians, sorcerers, wizards, wise men, rulers, astrologers, and astronomers. Would cause us to frown a bit. Think about the group of people that came with Daniel that were taken from Jerusalem and Judah and taken to Nebuchadnezzar's palace where they were trained in all, of their, all the wisdom of the Babylonians. That's the source of these wise men. That's the type of people that they were. But they were also very majestic. When they walked into a room, you knew they were in the room. They were held in high esteem, even feared, because of the presence that they carried when they walked into the place. Notice there's no reference in this story to the wise men bowing down to Herod but they bowed down to a young child. Do you notice that? I think Herod, Herod sorry, was out of his league completely. Notice when they arrived, the whole of Jerusalem knew they'd arrived. In fact, the word for arrived here that's used is a word that means a public arrival. Everybody recognizing, wow, these wise men, watch your stepfolks, have arrived in Jerusalem, and they held them in awe because of their position and their entourage. Notice something else about these particular wise men they knew who the Jews were, they knew who Israel was, they knew what Jerusalem was, and they knew they were looking for a Messiah and a king. Before they even arrived. And I want you to notice. That even the gifts they brought are mentioned in Isaiah 60, verse 6 and 7. They're mentioned. Their arrival is mentioned in the Old Testament prophets. It's said that they were to beautify God's beautiful house. Hey, look at yourself for a minute. We are to beautify God's beautiful people. The people of God. Now, I want you to notice something else as we move on to the next uh, slide, please. Don't miss the opportunity in 2023 of meeting Jesus again and again and again and again. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't join the losers in the Christmas story. Take the innkeeper. What a loser this guy was. (laughs) What an opportunity. We could have all been booking our flights to Israel to sleep in the bedroom that Mary gave birth to the Messiah in. Wouldn't have that been wonderful. But the innkeeper missed it completely. He didn't see what was standing in front of him. He didn't listen to their story of meeting angels, of having dreams, of having prophecies, of having promises. He missed it completely. They were just two people to boot into the manger. Into the manger, yes, into the manger. What a trick he missed. Is there room for Jesus Christ, the worship of Jesus Christ, in your school, in your business, in your family, in your life? Or is he relegated and pushed out of the centre place? Don't miss the opportunity this year of making time to meet with Jesus in all of those places. You're in that place to bring worship to Jesus. Hallelujah. And look at Herod. What a loser. I mean, this guy, he's king at the time when the Messiah arrives. And the kings, the wise men, stand right in front of him. The, the, the scribes and the priests actually quote the prophecies about him. And rather than thinking, hey, this could be a real lift up for me here. I'm the one that welcomed the king of kings. No, no, no. He's trying to eliminate the king of kings. What a loser. Make room in your life. Don't be so full of yourself. I'm full of yourself, adoration. That you miss the adoration of Jesus Christ. Make room in your life for him to be king above you, your master and your Lord. I'm speaking to myself as well, by the way. And then the religious leaders. My goodness, I can, I can hardly understand it. Is there any record here that the religious leaders went to the stable? Well, no, to the house, sorry. Any record of it? Did they go to the house? They had all the knowledge. They had so much knowledge. They could just quote the prophecies. Here we go. There's another 100 prophecies for you about where Jesus will be born, who he will be, how he will die, what will happen to him. They had all those prophecies at their fingertips, but they never worshipped Jesus. My friends... Maturity, as a Christian disciple, is not about knowledge. It's about obedience and relationship. Hallelujah. I really feel for them, especially. And then the Magi, they were winners, weren't they? They pursued Christ together as we are called to do. When we come and worship, come, having already sought God. I'm just urging you, and I'm urging myself. When we come, whether it be to a prayer meeting, to a life group, to a church meeting, when we come, let's prepare before we come so one shall bring a hymn, one shall bring a song, one shall bring a prophecy, one shall bring a tongue, one shall bring a testimony, one shall bring a word come excited, pursuing Christ together as we gather, that we want the presence of Jesus amongst us so that people, when they come amongst us, say, God is in this place. I want to meet him. The greatest evangelistic message in the world is the worship of God's people. When God's people worship, you just can't get away from it. God is real in this place when we do that. They made a shrewd investment. They invested time, money, months. It's thought about 40 days that their journey took them. It's a significant number, isn't it? 40 days they pursued, knowing, wanting to know this Christ child. And they followed God's trail, I believe, this year. God will be speaking to us as a church about what the next step is. Let's follow the trail that God sets. And let's follow it together that we might be a community reaching the communities all around us. I love this next thing. They obeyed the scriptures. People that knew them didn't, but the people that heard them did. They obeyed the scriptures and they went to Bethlehem to find the Christ child. They gave generously. Their gifts were worth so much. These were the gifts that would sustain Mary and Joseph in their exile to Egypt and pave the way. As we give generously, it paves the way for Christ to enter more communities, more lives, more schools, more young people, and more of our friends. God shepherded them. God protected them. And this expression at the end here, they fell down and worshipped. We need to understand what it actually means, those words. It means that they put themselves lower than the child in front of them. In other words, they went down. Sorry, the camera's not going to get this. Their head on the floor, their hands in front, getting as low as they can before the child just here. I've already told you who they were. Such esteemed people, people who filled a room with awe when they arrived in it. But when they met the Christ child, they were filled with awe. They were overwhelmed with the presence of God. And they went on their faces in true Persian manner and prostrated themselves. Can you just picture this for a minute? They're getting off the camels. They've got their entourage. They're outside this tiny little house because Joseph and Mary were poor. And they came and got down off where they were, up here somewhere in people's opinion, up on the camel's back. They got down and down and down and down as low as they could get. I don't know if you've heard of John Wimber. If not, just hear the story. He's quite a famous uh, Person in the Christian world, but uh, John Wimber talks about his conversion in one of his books, and he went down to the park when he's struggling with this whole concept of, shall I follow Christ or not? When he goes down the park, he sees a guy and he's got a billboard on and on the front it says, the billboard that goes over the shoulders, on the front it says, I'm a fool for Christ. He says, as he walked by him, he looked at him and said, you are a fool wearing that billboard in the park. I mean, look at you. As the guy went back, written on the back of the billboard was, Whose fool are you? We're all fools for something. I'm a fool for Christ. I can't be anything more than that. Whose fool are you? God calls us to be his servants. These high people, these somebodies, became nobodies before the king of kings and prostrated themselves. You know, the word, my servant, Abdi, in the Old Testament, is used 52 times, one for every week of the year. It talks about nations. It talks about God's people. But the most favorite person who wants that title more than any other is Jesus Christ. He's called by God. God, my servant. Do you know one of the great marks of the Christian life and Christian discipleship is that we are servants of the King of Kings. Now, I'm not taking away from the fact that we're sons and daughters of the living God. That's been a great emphasis of the church in the last few years. But there's an emphasis which mustn't be lost. We are servants. Of the King of Kings. Jesus in John 13 dressed himself as the servant of servants. He got down on his knees. He washed the disciples' feet and he said to them, You should do, listen to this: you, me, should do exactly as I have done to you. Hallelujah. As a church, let's adopt the servant. Mentality. It's a great saying by Jim Elliot. I won't go into the story of this. But he says, it's a great quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Hallelujah. That's the calling of God upon us as a church. And the calling of God upon us as individuals. You know, have you had those people... Onto the last slide. Have you had those people that you think, what can I give him? What can I give her? They've got everything. So what do you buy them? A pair of socks? He just ain't going to cut it. What can I give Jesus Christ as these wise men did? Does he have everything? No, he doesn't. Because he doesn't have you. Do you get that? No, he doesn't have everything, because he doesn't have you. Have you given him your life? Have you given him your heart? You see, these wise men made a 1,000-kilometer journey to come and bow down and worship Jesus. Some of us need an 18-inch journey. It's a journey. And in that 1,000-kilometer journey, the wise men moved from head knowledge, their studies of literature, the stars, all the rest of it, they, they moved from head knowledge to heart knowledge as they bowed down. What else would take them off their camels and prostrate them before Jesus? They moved the 18-inch journey from their head to the heart. They gave the center of their will, the center of their emotions. That's what the heart is. The center of their decision making, the center of their adorations, the center of their aspirations. They gave that heart to the King of Kings as they prostrated before him. There's an 18 inch journey that needs to take place in some of us. We might know a lot, it's not enough. Give him your heart. I think, I am sure, I'm positive, that the Holy Spirit came upon this interaction between the child and the wise men. And there was a revelation, it's called Epiphany in the Christian calendar on 6th of January. There was an epiphany! There is a realization, there is an awakening, there is an utter discovery that this isn't just head knowledge anymore. My heart belongs to this child, the King of Kings. Where's your heart for 2023? Does he have your heart or just your ascent? You know, you can answer all the questions. But do you know Jesus personally? as your king and your savior. I want the children just to bring the poster. Can we have the poster? Is it possible? Can some adults help them to pick it up and bring it down here so we can see it? And then I'm going to pray for us. Let's bring it, shall we? Yeah, bring it down. Thank you. They've been busy. Wow. I can see already. It's very decorative, colorful. Bring it down. And stand on the stage. Let's let's look at it. Let's see what they've been doing. Wonderful. Look at this. Come on up on the stage. Let's see this poster. Wow. Look at this. That is incredible! Wow! Look at that. They bowed down. The middle person, hold that up higher. Let's get up really high. Can we all say it together? They bowed down and worshipped him. And again, Holy Spirit, come. They bowed down and worshipped him. And again. They bowed down and worshipped him. My first call is to you. Have you bowed down and worshipped him? Christchurch, as we bow down and worship him, Hellsham will come running even through those doors to find out what the phenomenon is that's going on in the hearts of the people of this church. We'll not just be known for our good works, but for our good worship. And out of our worship will be our call to the nations, our call to the town. Come, bow down and worship him. I just want to pray for you now. Carry on holding it. That's lovely. Is that all right, Tom? Let's just pray. ask each of you now just to um, be before God in this prayer. Let the Holy Spirit awaken our hearts this morning. That like the wise men we would have an epiphany, a revelation that Jesus is king, that what we've heard is true, that we give him our hearts this morning and in 2023, that we lie before him, that is, fall down before him, and worship him in our workplace in our school, in our homes, even in our streets, that there be a revelation of who Jesus is. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.